Hello. Welcome, Stasis Pod listeners. We interrupt your regularly scheduled programming for a a bit of a fill-in episode with David and myself. Hey, Mr. Dandy. Hey, Mr. Joy. It's anime time. That's right. Once again, David has subjected me to... uh, to the uh, the dregs of the Japanimation bin at your local VHS rental place. No, I'm sorry. No, this is this is top shelf stuff. This is yes, this is top shelf. This was premium. You find in Blockbuster back in the day. This this was highlighted in Suncoast Video. This was the shit you would show your friends to convert them to anime for a lifetime in college. Yeah, this is this is possibly the most anime anime I've ever watched. Yeah, because uh, I don't have you ever seen a, a direct to video original video animation before? Uh yes, I had a cousin who was really into Macross Plus. Okay, yeah, yeah, that, that that's another big one. Where it's a lot like the heyday of of the eighties to the nineties when. You could put out things for rental on VHS in Japan and put the highest production value in. You could take months or even years in some weird cases between episodes and the episode run would never be that long because, well, you're doing it slowly, expensively, and dwindling market and eventually the bubble burst. But we did get great things like... The bubble gum bubble burst? Okay, the title. Yeah, why is this called Bubblegum Crisis? Two answers. Okay. One, the bubble keeps getting bigger. The the bubble economy in Japan, the bubble economy in this is a cyberpunk future. Things just keep getting bigger and bigger, causing a crisis until they burst. Second answer, it doesn't mean shit. (laughs) Okay. Take take your pick. E- either it's a symbolic thing of the bubble economy and, and the the drama expanding, or it actually is just English gibberish they picked. I'm not sure which one is true, but they're both really good answers. So I believe this was produced when somebody um, somebody gave a bunch of like anime writers and animators uh, the contents of a video store circa 1987. Kinda yes. Um, uh, I forget all the exact details. Like, like they had the writers and mecha designer and the character designer all what kind of wanted to work together, and also the studio mostly wanted to sell music. I see. This series, especially this first episode, is to sell albums. Mm. That would explain why, like uh, previous bonus episodes, Streets of Fire, it's jam-packed with music. Yes. And goddamn is it great music. I, I forced you to watch it in Japanese. Yes, I did. Because and... there was a dub back in the day. The dub is, itself is fine. However, they also dubbed the music, and that is not up to the quality of how great these songs are. I love so did, the music in this. So did they like translate the music and re-record it, or did they put in like unrelated 80s pop music? It it's I think it's mostly translated. They okay. might have replaced some other things, but it it, it doesn't quite have the, the oomph of the fact that well, um, one of the main characters, Pris, is actually played by a musician. Well, they did make all the main female characters sing, but Pris in particular was a musician. Okay, and we, we watched the first episode, Tinsel City. Yes, and I guess these, this is like a series of videos. There were eight, but there were supposed to be more than that. But there was some sort of legal <laughs> issue. 
I think uh, I think the original idea was like they were going to make like 17 or, or mm. no, 13 episodes or something. They wanted to, but it's an OVA, and you don't know how long it's going to run. You get what you get. Mm-hmm. After like six or so, they thought the actress who was playing Pris was going to leave because her music career was taken off. So they, they started writing. It's like, oh, we're going to replace her or something with another character. It was like, no, hang around. This is kind of fun. But somehow, yes, it did end at eight episodes because of something? Eh? According to Wikipedia, it was a legal dispute between Artmic and Yornex, who jointly held the rights. Oh, okay. So we're getting into the fact that lots of anime, TV anime, and OVAs were produced by a conglomeration. Multiple companies and groups and animation studios mm. worked together, pooled together to make a thing. Like Macross is like four five, six different companies before you even get Harmony Gold and Robotech involved into mm. it. So licensing shit can be a pain in the ass. So apparently one of the group wanted to leave and Bubblegum Crisis ended. And then there's a three-episode sequel series, Bubblegum Crash! It looks like there are like a whole bunch of spin-offs and sequels and reboots yeah, and such. There, there's AD Police Files, which involving Leon the Cop in this. That series is... It's more like cyberpunk ideas, but it's not quite as great. I mean, he's clearly the least interesting guy in this. Yeah, there might have been a second AD Police series, yeah. but then there was Bubblegum Crisis 2040 or some shit, which was a TV ad- adaptation of the show, which I have not seen all of because I do not like it. The music isn't as good. Some people like the music. I don't, because I love the music of the original, and and it's just... it it's made for TV budget, the character designs have changed, it's just, eh, it's a cheap, shabbier version of the story. Although part of me is kind of, although, considering the licensing issues and the multiple companies working together, I know why we haven't gotten a live-action reboot or some shit. A Netflix It really version. does seem like something that, like, some anime, like, some American studio would have jumped all over. Yes, I'm especially considering what is currently airing on Netflix <laughs> cyberpunk edge runner I mean some guy some you know some cigar chomping coke adult ex- executive in like 1995 was pitching this as ah it's Charlie's Angels meets uh, meets Blade Runner well uh, well my notes are it's Blade Runner plus Streets of Fire plus the Terminator plus Metal Heroes equals Bubcup Crisis <laughs> So indeed, we open with a scene that is almost a straight lift from Streets of Fire. Yeah, well, you, you have shots of a cityscape and a giant, like, conical mega corporation building. And then, yes. It's extremely blatant. It goes into shots of a singer getting ready to sing, shots of robot wrecking city. On bikes, well, it, it ends up it's a robot, it's a bike cop. It's intercut between the singing, which is a hell of a lot like Streets of Fire in the opening musical number. The song is also similar. Um, uh, her outfit also similar. Uh, same color scheme. It's the red and black, and she's and, got big uh, puffy '80s hair. But okay, the music in this is great. There are, 
I think there are legitimate plagiarism notes for some songs in this series. <laughs> but at least in this episode, most of the songs are like, okay, I know what you're referencing, but I don't think you're getting close enough for plagiarism in this episode anyway. And Unless I'm missing I- a few songs. And speaking of Blade Runner, this band is Pris and the Replicants. Yes! <laughs> One of the characters, the main character, effectively, is named Pris, as if in Blade Runner, and the Replicants, her band. <laughs> yeah, background notes, there's there's like neon signs that say aliens, or um, there's a reference to Megazone 23, which is a cyberpunk space anime thing. Hmm. And then whilst all this is going on, uh, the... The what what is essentially a Terminator is rampaging through the city. Yes, a boomer. Yes, I'll, although I'll boomers are more inter- like they start out as your basic Terminator, a guy inside a skin, it bursts out, and it's a metal skeleton. Yes, only instead of being like a normal six foot tall metal skeleton, it beefs up into an eight foot tall, heavily armored skeleton that picks up a chain gun. Well, and apparently, according again, according to Wikipedia, which uh, is of grain of salt, but uh, they were also inspired by the the beast from the movie Krull. Uh, oh yeah, the way the mouth is it, when they shoot lasers and the weird eyes. Yeah, I can see that. Remember what I said about this being inspired by an entire video store from 1987. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm not exactly sure, like. The replicants in Blade Runner are just kind of like strong guys. Yeah, in replicant, I'm not sure. Why is this company constantly making like these heavily armed death robots? Well, most of the ones we see in this episode are like military grade ones. Okay, they're, they're military experiments. They're the more dangerous ones, of course. But there are just like random, like a robot waitress and shit. That are boomers, technically, but they don't usually burst out into giant hulking monsters. They just do occasionally go on killer rampages also. Right. Because robots. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, because apparently they, they are attempt they're fomenting some kind of rebellion or, you know, they're trying to get their freedom or something. It's not really dwelled on. Yeah, it, it, it is vague. Like, like Blade Runner, it's like, they... Also, it varies between episode to episode. There is one that's almost exactly like the Blade Runner, kind of. Like, there's just some runaway robots who want to escape to be free. Mm. And and they're living on a timer. It's like, we escaped from a space colony. We just want to live our lives. But people are hunting us. We all, so admittedly, do happen to be killer Mm. space weapons. But, but yeah, the ones in this are like a terrorist cell who want to do... Question mark? Yeah. So, you know, we, we meet our, our main cop character. This is Leon. He's got a motorcycle, and he is a big fan of the Akira slide. <laughs> yes. Like, I don't think he's capable of stopping his motorcycle normally. He just has to do the Akira slide every time. Well, he only has the uh, the bike in one scene. Most of the time, he's in a cop car, which is probably a reference to, I think, the cop car from... Uh, G-Bon, one of the metal heroes, or was G-Bon after this? I mean, it does have a resemblance to the cop cars from Blade Runner as well. Yeah. And they're a bunch of, like, weird little helicopter pods that are very cool. This is, like, the animation in this is very nice, very 80s anime-y. 
Yeah, it's a nice... We have time, we have a budget, we can do a lot of shit. Although, since I've seen this show... I own this show on VHS, on DVD, on Blu-ray. I have a model (laughs) kit of Pris and her Moto Slave motorcycle that I still haven't built. Because it's a model kit and that takes forever. But yeah, like, like the, the detail in this animation is great, but I noticed, oh, bits of reused animation <laughs> in a couple spots. Like, oh yeah, they're, they're saving budget to extend this episode a couple minutes more. Mm-hmm. And at one point, uh, you know, the, the the boomer gets his hand on gets his hands on a minigun, which I assumed was a predator reference, but they came out the same year, so it's possible <gasps> that's just a coincidence. Well, it destroys that little police helicopter that has the gun on it and takes it. Right. It's basic, but yeah. Mm. And at that one point, he also has, like, biomechanical tentacles? Yeah, well, because this was in the 80s. This is before nanites! Nanomachines, son! Right. No, we're, uh... We, we are occasionally straying into Legend of the Overfiend territory with this thing. We did not in a, a naughty way, really. It's just that, well, we need this this machine to interface with another machine. Tentacles, sure. Mm-hmm. Like if nano machines were a thing in fiction, they weren't really as much of a thing in anime anyway. They weren't as widespreadly known as a concept. So, oh wow, yeah, G- but- G- Bond was two years after it. What the fuck, but car were they referencing then? I'm confused. I mean, it might have just been the Blade Runner police cars. Could have been. Okay, so now enter the Night Sabers, who which who are a four woman team of armored mercenaries who also have like transforming motorcycle exoskeletons. Yeah, well, um, in this episode, there's only one transforming motorcycle. Hey, it's anime. Let's have a mecha. Basically, but a mini mecha. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I assume this must have sold like so many model kits. Uh, I don't know if there were any at the time, but probably. Shocking. This seems very merchandisable. Well, yeah. Look, like uh, The one I got is from... Does it have a year on the box? Probably not. But it, uh, I got it like five or six years ago or something. But every once in a while, they do make more. <clears throat> I I think at least the Night Sabers there were models of. I don't know if the... There, probably, there had to have been a Motor Slave at some point. And, uh, and yeah, Pris, uh, the of the of Pris and the replicants is a member of the Night Sabers, which I, I feel I feel the eighties was a time when you could sort of casually just be in a band. <laughs> yes, it, well, eighties into the nineties, like I think when Garage Band, like when grunge happened, it, like you could be in a grunge band, but after that, being in a band wasn't as cool. I mean, I'm definitely thinking of, like, Marty McFly here, or uh, Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah. Oh, yeah, just as a side thing. It's like, I'm also right, in a it's band. Right, like a side thing. Yeah. Right, like, I'm, 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 I'm also, like, a high-tech mercenary, but I'm also a pop star in my spare time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, okay, I did check in. Yeah, Masami Obari, who's done some Transformers, especially back in G1, was the mechanical designer. Uh, Kenichi Uh. Sonoda did the character designs of the girls and stuff, and he's done um, Riding Bean and Gunsmith Cats. He he loves American cars. And I I, I believe I, I, I think I went into this under false presumptions. I thought that there was like 
like the police had tanks in this and maybe they fought cat girls but i seem to have been thinking of something else that's dominion tank police which is also great okay then uh but that i forgot like i gave you a there might be titties in this episode warning and right. there weren't there were not but there are definitely titties in dominion tank police i see <laughs> I was kind of, I, I kept explaining, okay, so when are we going to see, like, the police tanks in this? Well, I guess that's a future episode. <laughs> it probably is. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, Pris is the character who we're following for most of this. Uh, she runs into Leon, who is always kind of dressed like the Terminator in this. <laughs> or, uh, or like, uh, Co- or like Marion Cobretti from Cobra. Yeah. Like, he, he is an 80s American movie cop in this 80s futuristic Japanese cyberpunk world. Yeah, but he he's also kind of like, not quite comic relief, but he's yeah, ineffectual I, in comparison. Well, he does manage to down one boomer, but... I mean, he's clearly a doofus. Because he <laughs> yeah. totally he totally gets... He, you know, he runs into Pris outside of like a convenience store or a restaurant or something. Oh, yeah, and he's hitting on her and she just shoots him the fuck oh, down. Yeah. It's like, it's- yeah, I know you're a cop. I saw your badge, asshole. Mm-hmm. I hate cops. <laughs> so, yeah, we now cut to the uh, the villainous Genom Corporation. Genom. 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 Uh, who are, you know, the, the, the Blade Runner-esque uh, mega corporation who are... They're the guys who make the boomers. Yeah, your basic cyberpunk megacorp. They make the boomers. They say they make like 70% of the world's cars or some shit. Yes, they they name drop the Polar War. (laughs) Well, yeah, you got to have all the IC beams off the the Tannhauser Gate kind of nonsense. And, you know, they've got uh, got a problem and they intend to hire the... uh... Oh, no, I... no, that's the, U, the the U.S. Space Corp that wants to hire them. Oh, yeah. wait, sorry, right, right. There, there's two right. big corporations. There's the U.S. Space Defense, which are generic American, is trying to interfere in Japan. Like I mean, they're kind of like the military, I think. Yeah. I mean, you, they've got like military regalia on them. Yeah, and they're then trying Genom to hire the Nightsabers to get something. Trying to figure out what to do with it, right? Yeah, Genom is the, the giant menacing guy behind a desk, and, and his little lackey named Brian J. Mason. Who becomes more important as the series goes on? Hmm. In this episode, he's just the guy who picks up a phone. Yeah, the main guy is Largo, which is apparently also a Blade Runner reference. Oh, yeah. Mason, I think, is a reference to... There's a mechanical human in uh, Bioman. Ah. The Sentai show. At least I'd assume that's where they got the name from. Because he's like the, the same effect. Like, he's the number two of the main bad guy in that show. And uh, so, yeah, we cut, we cut to the leader of the, the Night Savers, Acilia Stingray. Yes. It, anime, 80s, ridiculous name. This is yeah, a reasonable she, name, to be quite honest. You know, she's having a swim, and she is also having a bit of a flashback to uh, to her youth, where her, her extremely 70s dad <laughs> was a scientist working on the boomers. Yeah, he's got a porn stash. He's, like, one of the lead guys that made why boomers actually work. Super and AI. Of course she, and of course, he's tragically killed, but not before giving her a VHS tape full of what I assume are the designs for these high tech suits and the the motorcycle robots and flashing lights and shit. It's strobing. Yay! It's a warning. Mm-hmm. It's not as bad as like Porygon and later anime flashing lights, but it's like oh, I forgot there was that many flashing lights. And apparently, her like personal assistant is also her brother. Yeah. Who, 
is, uh, I believe, what I believe every anime is by Japanese law required to have one character who's an odious pervert. Yes. He's, he's the younger, likable brother who ogles his sister's boobs for... It's yes. the 80s. It, uh, whatever. And also, we have, we've, we've sort of figured out that, like, people are going to have, like, high-tech devices that are going to, you know... Oh, they're yeah. going to wake them up. And the, but the, we haven't quite figured out that they're going to be, like, the size of a Hershey bar. So instead, people just have, like, big 80s computers everywhere. Yeah, it, it's like a by the bed desk with a big monitor that's fine mm. it's a cute little bird that wakes her up she hits the snooze and then it's Rodan voice like waking her up which mm. is great and then she prints out her morning paper that's yes. the unbelievable part and and I guess the the US Space Force uh, it just like puts out a want ad for them yeah they put it in the paper well how else they're, they're a secret organization of four women in battle suits. Like, how are you going to contact them? Put an ad in the paper. Yeah, I guess they don't just have, like, an office. Yeah. Because they're kind of secret-ish. Well, because when... Oh, yeah, because each one of them has, like, a cover job, which in some cases is an actual job. Celia runs a um, lingerie shop where her... is the front for her office and all the high-tech shit. Right. Pris is a singer. Uh, Lena, the, the the one with the close-cropped hair, is a yoga instructor or dance instructor or something. Okay, she, doesn't, she doesn't get a whole lot to do in this episode. No, she's barely in this episode. She's just in the green suit. And, um... Oh, the other one. Crap, I'm blanking on her name. Nini? Nina. Nina. Yes, uh, she, she's uh, a police dispatcher, basically. Ah. And, and we do see them doing some lingerie shopping with translucent lingerie? Yeah. Oh, it's Nene. Nene. Nene Romanova. I forgot she was Russian. What? <laughs> she escaped from the Black Widow program, I guess. Oh, apparently. Also, this is this is the most 80s uh, lingerie shop I've ever seen. <laughs> yes. I, I think I think I saw uh, Jackie Chan busting through this place uh, <laughs> at the climax of Police Story. <laughs> yes, it, it is very like that. The future is very 80s. So you know, so you know they're gonna check. Yeah, yeah, they they're offering a good buck for this, so they're gonna zip over there. But they're gonna wear their armored suits on the bus. Yes, which is re- it's ridiculous that, that you have these two robot suits sitting in the back of the bus. But it's like, how are you gonna get there covertly? You can't go out of uniform. You have secret identities. And you could ride your sick motorcycles. <laughs> well, yeah. And I guess when they get there, they they were somehow not aware that these were women, despite the extremely form-fitting nature of their armored suits. And and the really good footage they had of them, which was stock footage of the beginning of the episode fight. Yes. Yeah, well, well, the form-fitting, you see butts and things, but like then they talk. It's like, oh, you're women. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so they they are looking for uh, this missing programmer, F.G. Frederick. And Cynthia, who is a child of no last name, they are very cagey about what exactly they want them for, who these people are, or why, in fact, they're fugitives. But if you've seen enough cyberpunk, you can kind of assume what's going on. Yeah, I pretty I pretty quickly pegged that this was like an Albert and LCD situation. <laughs> yes, it's a little robot girl, of course. She has blank yes. eyes. They could have at least given her normal eyes. Yes, and also they're... they're 
there's something something the particle beam satellites that they have oh yeah your high-tech satellites that can level a thousand kilometers from space because again we did watch uh akira yes oh yeah th- this mo- this episode does borrow from akira too <laughs> Like, yeah, we're definitely Akira getting into some this. Akira yeah, territory yeah. later. I mean, Akira's what, like 83? I don't remember. I think so. Oh, apparently 88. So after this, but I guess the... That's shocking. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this episode was... Yeah, it was 87, right? 87. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Well, oh, no, the, the Akira manga was... Wait, when was the Akira manga originally from... That came out first, fuck. I mean, I'm sure it came out first. Oh, yeah, the manga's from 82, okay, so they definitely yeah. would have read that. Okay, so they were borrowing at least from the manga, not ripping directly off from the movie. All right. And, you know, it's entirely possible they were, like, going to lunch with the guys who were making Akira. Oh, yeah, well, there was in breeding and stuff. In this episode, you could see, oh, these some of the people probably worked on Transformers the movie. <laughs> I definitely got some Transformers the movie vibes on this as well, which is the just the year before. Yeah. Well, yeah, but that had been in production for a while. Right. Well, no, no. I mean, I'm saying that you know there probably were guys who worked on both. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if Abari was on both, but probably. Anyway, so you know, so you know, they go undercover. They're looking around. Uh, Pris uh, sort of you know asked around, which gets back to these robots. And uh, they they indeed end up abducting her from a video phone booth. Yes. Oh, phone booths. That's that's another archaic thing of the past. <laughs> so, of course, I, mean, I you suppose know. phone booths probably exist somewhere, but... Uh. Yeah. So, yeah. So, of course, you know, she escapes. She steals a motorcycle. There's a chase. Um, the uh, uh, Leon notices them and follows, pursuing himself. In his high-speed cop car. Yes. And so she she gets to this derelict building in Aqua City, because apparently Tokyo's been, like, split in half by an earthquake. Oh, yeah, something... Well, also, that like, the old classic thing of Tokyo Future is you fill in the bay and make more city. Ah. So that... Oh, so that's why this is Aqua City. That makes yeah. sense. I, I, I was assuming we are going to see, like, an underwater city or something. But no, no. no. It, it is an on... Well, it's a translation of, like, water city or something. Mm. CD on the so of course, you know, she finds this. She finds this girl. She's very eerie. She has no parents. the The audience has all figured out that she's a robot at this point. Oh, but and then we figure out another thing because uh, Nene had drawn a doodle on the ground as they were trying to lose the tail of the government officials because they had a right. satellite. She right did a little there. doodle on the ground, and this little girl has drawn a little doodle on the wall. It's like, oh shit, she's hooked up to the satellites. Yes, <laughs> she's a weapon. Oh no. Well, that's yeah. why uh, these other boomers stole her. Yes. So, you know, she she does... The, these boomers get the drop on her. She fires... Uh, she gets a couple shots off at them. One of them totally does the T-1000 thing four years before Terminator 2 came out. Uh-huh. So, I, I mean, I would not be shocked at all if the Terminator 2 anima- animators had seen this. <laughs> Entirely possible. Uh, well, that that goes for one of them. One other one just kind of grossly like spits them out. the bullets up. Well, yeah, that's your that's your regular T one th- or T one hundred or whatever the fuck, whatever Arnold yes. is. Spit the bullets out. He, he's a T eight hundred. Oh, eight hundred. It's been so long. I don't remember the numbers. A learning computer. And there's only two good ones. 
I liked uh, Dark Fate okay. Mm. I, I don't want to see any more after. I saw the third one, it's like, nope. Yeah, no, I I get it. I might have seen the fourth one, I don't remember. Oh, that's not, that's, that one's not good. You, yeah. It turns out you need Schwarzenegger. Yeah. He's, at, he's the best part of Genesis. He did, well, yes. Arnold's having fun in his old age. Yes. Anyway, so the... Uh, Chris is running around it, being a badass trying to run away from these giant murder robots. Yeah, the, the rest of the team is speeding to the rescue. They've all got their motorcycles and also uh, the dude is driving like a big van. Yeah, their, their transport vehicle that has replacement parts and, and Pris's suit in it. Right. And uh, uh, um, these sexy, form-fitting robot women. Huh. <laughs> it's like uh, having four RCs, or fan art versions of RC, anyway. Yeah, well, the, um, I'm trying to think. The uh, the proposed, like, trans-tech Black Ragnia is extremely bubblegum crisis. Uh-huh. Yes, Tran- Transformers likes to reference this without referencing this. Well, then again, yes. well, other things reference it. it, it because, like, Cyberpunk has, like, how uh, Streets of Fire ended up as this, and this has ended up inspiring other things. Incestuous robot knowledge. <laughs> so, I- indeed, this F.G. Frederick guy turns out to be there, and, of course, he is also a robot, but he's not just a regular robot. He's, like, a weird... Akira, like, matter-absorbing tentacle robot. Yes, he's a super boomer of a new kind or some shit. It's like, one of the other boomers' heads gets blown off and he just absorbs it and becomes its upper... His upper body becomes its head and, and, and then as Pris is running away further, it's like, fuck it, I'll absorb the entire island. Yes. And hey, we got Akira. So yeah, he just sort of becomes yeah this this gigantic skull faced uh, like living mountain, which uh, does do Transformers the movie things like Pris does end up going inside and it's like oh hey evil brain impulses and Unicron and shit. It is very much that Unicron scene. Some of the music even kind of sounds like it. The music as they're attacking is a lot Attack on Autobot City. Yes, I. It, it does seem sort of uncredited music assist provided by Vince DiCola. Yeah, it, it's... I wouldn't say it's... Well, I don't... Again, I, I don't know plagiarism laws, but I think it's different enough. Yeah, I don't think... It, yeah, I think it's different enough, but it definitely feels like it. Yes. Like, if, if this was, like, an extra track on that soundtrack, I could say, oh, yeah, I'd buy that. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, and, the, of course, he starts absorbing this robot girl, and then... The, the satellites start, start firing into him. Well, yeah, because she freaks out because appa- maybe she didn't know she was a boomer. Right. And she finds out and it's like, oh, no, I'm a, I'm a robot. Oh, no, I control satellite lasers. I'm panicking. I'm going to vaporize <laughs> the entire island, including myself. <laughs> well, that's one way to wrap up an episode. And then I believe it's Pris who sort of gets inside him and... Yeah. Like, fires in his central skull. And that seems to destroy him, but little girl destroys the island anyway. To clean up all the evidence. Yeah, this this really turns into the final level of a video game. (laughs) Yeah. This guy is very much the final boss. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, know, uh, Leon is there, and he does take out one of these boomers. Yeah. And so, you know, he gets a, hey, you know, 
good job. But he does not get those digits. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's weird that she hangs around long enough to say, no, nah, we're not going to have a date. Nope. Does uh, does he ever uh, does he ever get the, that number? I, I don't think so. Yeah, that makes sense. They get closer than this, but I'm not sure if they ever make out. Ah. Ah, uh, so yeah, this was uh, this was enjoyable. Uh huh. I, mean, I fucking it, love the show. It is is the nay plus ultra of like eighties cyberpunk ish anime? Yeah, it, I feel. it's mostly focused on basically robot fighting, but it it doesn't bring in a lot of ideas about AI and mega corporations and other cyberpunk nonsense. No, it, it's definitely a lot less interested in the robots motivation and personality and origins than something like a Blade Runner, but maybe maybe that comes later. Yeah, there's more stuff that comes up. But, uh, uh, I think one of the girls, I think, was a robot in the, the TV series version. Oh. I'm not positive about that. But she doesn't know she's a robot? I think so. But I, get, I never finished that show because I didn't like it as much. It was a weird adaptation. Mm. But I think one of them did turn about to be a robot. Or maybe it was a red herring shit. I don't know. Mm. But no, I, 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 am, I, I appreciate that you made me watch this. <laughs> Yay! And don't worry, I'm sure, I'm sure I will soon return the favor. <laughs> oh, no. Still got to do Dreamscape one of these days. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll do that eventually. I think it's on Tubi. Hmm. I mean, you can say that for almost any film ever made. You can say, oh, yeah. You can say, I, yeah. Well, well, trying to find Bubblegum Crisis, I'm surprised how many things it's actually on. It's on like four different streaming services. But we I went mean, with I, Retro Crush because it had the Japanese. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, this did mean I didn't get to hear uh, Michael Sinter Nicholas play a couple of incidental characters. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I just noticed that he's in but, there. But uh, no, I, the, the music was sufficiently rocking that uh, it was okay. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I, the the dub voices were okay because I back in the day, one of the VHSs I got was in English. It's like it's fine, but I miss the music. The music is better in Japanese, hmm. and and that like. It's the reason the show was sold in the first place, and it's like half the reason to watch the show. <laughs> it's like, it, it's great 80s anime rock songs. Ah, oh, fun stuff. All right. So, thank you again for joining us on this uh, special fill-in episode. We'll be back next time with more, probably, uh, rescue bots, possibly robots in disguise. Mm. Who knows? You'll find out before we do. That's right. So until next time, I'm Rob. And I'm Mr. David. I'm Mr. Joy. Love the after songs. It's so popular.